Hello and welcome to the Startup Creative Podcast. I'm your host, Kayleen Langford, founder of Startup Creative, author of How to Start a Side Hustle and resident business coach, serving you straight up business advice to help you start, grow and scale the business of your dreams. Hello and welcome back to the Startup Creative Podcast. I'm your host, Kayleen Langford, founder of Startup Creative, business coach and author of How to Start a Side Hustle. And on today's episode, I chat to Rachel Service, who is an author, a coach also, and a very optimistic, bubbly, incredible personality. Uh, Rachel and I met a while back in our early days of our startups and has caught up to chat about releasing books, um, but especially wanted to touch on the topic of writing a talk, pitching yourself with confidence, uh, and also presenting with confidence. I think the way that the world is right now, and we saw this a lot during COVID around online content creation, putting your face to your brand, um, and yeah, speaking to camera, which is something a lot of us are either trialing or or trying to get better at. Uh, so Rachel's also done a TED talk, so she's actually a pro at this stuff, uh, and shares some insights about how to craft your content and how to present it with confidence. And that could be whether it's on stage, on a social platform, or pitching yourself for work as well. Uh, lots of awesome insights and practical tips for you guys to take home and start practicing at home enjoy the episode guys how are you <laughs> i'm good good. I'm, good I'm in Fitzroy, melbourne i've got bare feet and i got a sleeping sleeping happy in the background oh my god cute um how good are dogs my i was um looking after a friend's dog recently and it's just the presence right it's just like oh you don't feel like you're a solo entrepreneur. I mean, you're definitely not, yes. but working alone. Well, <laughs> it's funny. Like, you don't see a lot of stuff online, which is kind of the more one grows, the more time you do spend on yourself because you're delegating yeah. and you're growing and then you're yeah. going, right, one less thing to do. Right. You do spend a lot of time on your own. So for me personally, I love having that little nudge from Joey who yeah. likes to go for a walk. If, otherwise, I just turn into a little... Yeah. Permit on the internet. Oh, it's easy, isn't it? Actually, I'm so glad you mentioned that about growing because I was just talking recently about, you know, it's this thing where you get to that point in your career where you're just like, oh, people are doing all the things I don't want to do anymore. And you're just like, I love everything on my to-do list. And it's, I mean, not <laughs> always, like sometimes I'm definitely not inspired, but um, that feeling around like the, those little moments where you're just like, Hey, I set out to do this and I'm doing it. So it's a good feeling. It did, truth be told, you know, take me a minute. Mm-hmm. And I wrote about this in my book mm-hmm. um, when I hired this great person and delegated it all and handed it over and had all the trust and faith and capability. But I had to retrain myself as to what my job was. You know, it went from Rachel to a team of facilitators and then 
bringing on that head office support. I had to kind of redesign my role. And then I had to just do like a mental, maybe you do this yourself, letting go of what your role was to make room for what it could become. But it took me a little bit for my brain to kind of catch up with that. Right. And do you think that it's like, there's also an element of like, if I'm not being crazy, manic, working so hard and trying to do it all, then am I still valid? (laughs) Totally. And while I preach that, you know, while I preach these things, I'm also teaching myself these things. Mm -hmm. Just this week, I had a really quiet week in that there were a few engagements and there's a lot of quietness. And yet every morning I'm saying to myself, am I busy enough? which is the great fallacy, right? Busy doesn't equate to anything. But I think when we grow a business or a solopreneur venture or a creative side hustle to what it could be, you have to become different versions of yourself. And so when, for example, we recently launched a product called Leadership Mastermind and that's recording and testing and beta testing and getting feedback. And then the week, we were a week early because we kind of panicked to get it all done. And I thought to myself, am I allowed to be relaxed before yeah. a launch? You know, is that allowed? Right. But I think what I'm learning, like, is that the gift of the gift of getting on with it and being a fast starter and being organized and you learn new things all the time and you get more efficient is that you get the bonus of time. And if we allow ourselves to enjoy that time, it can be really nice. But that does right. take me conscious yeah. work, to be honest. Yeah, And I think it's like, you know, we're probably in the same space of like moving into that. Next. It's like we've done this, this, the side hustle and the, and the solo entrepreneur and the startup hustle. And now it's like, oh, I'm actually, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a teenager or I'm like a, a little bit more mature in business. And, you know, and it's like, yeah, that, that newness of being like, yeah, you know, mom isn't asking where I am anymore. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> the freedom that comes with that. And it's like, yeah, breaking the need to be the hustler and stuff and, and being comfortable in that, like it worked, you know, like you did the things and you worked your ass off and it, and it happened. And I think, I don't know if you've experienced this after, especially writing a book, I've been really challenging myself to to not have, because I think, you know, what happens is like you automate that part and then you move into that next stage and you're just like, okay, now, whereas now I've got time, what, what's my next goal or whatever. And I think especially after a book launch, um, it's like just allowing some space before having to get into like a second book or what am I going to do now? Or, you know, (laughs) what's my next big idea, you know? Yeah. What do we call it a, a safe landing after mm-hmm. an event or a launch. So for mm-hmm. example, with our facilitators, we often say to them, you'll go in, your adrenaline will be firing. And then afterwards, I think you're a hundred bucks. Afterwards, these little gremlin thoughts will turn up saying, oh, I don't know how you are you went or your adrenaline will come down and you'll start to question, oh, was that any good? Yeah. And we like to say, how can you create in, as per your personal safety plan, mm-hmm. a safe landing for yourself mm-hmm. afterwards? Yeah, And having experienced burnout and adrenaline fatigue, I've really had to make time for the come down because when we produce anything new, it's a creative output. We release that right. into the world, but also we've trained our body and our brain to be moving mm-hmm. towards something. And then, you know, you've released your magazines and your book. Congratulations, by the way. Mm-hmm. And then what happens in the space afterwards before you turn it turn the engine back on again right you know mm-hmm. that's kind of an interesting space yeah. allowing yourself to think I pulled it up I'm allowed yeah. to be proud of that yeah. did you go through those kind of ups yeah. and downs of the books yeah. out there at some bookstores 
<sighs> yeah, I think that was the thing that um, you know, it's it's it, with a I, I guess you know, like we've built our businesses online where it's like you can watch in real time the results of putting something out there through click throughs yeah. or or views or or you know, um, but you know, conversions and stuff. And with the book, it's yeah, it's a bit more like you know, dinosaur. Where you're just like, is anyone buying it? Like, is anyone, is this just like wrapping paper right now? Like, um, but I I actually learned this thing through the the Flow Research Collective, and it's like they're they're very much about like peak performance and studying athletes and you know this elite uh, performance level and how to get into flow. And it's like part of the flows. One of the flow stages is like you know, the very early stages, you can apply this to business. It's like, okay, I want to start this thing and everything's a bit clunky and you're working really hard and you're really switched on, you're trying to learn the skills and stuff. And then, you know, you kind of automate a lot of it and then you get into that peaks flow and you you write the book and you're just, you know, in flow and it's like, it's coming out, you know, like the seven years of startup, like coaching and stuff, it, it's coming out and it's here. And then it's the integration. And so that's part of flow as well is that your brain then needs time to be like, we now know how to write a book. Like, you know, and it, so it needs time to like, I imagine like just the wires connecting and staying firm. And, and that has really helped me to be like, the book is doing its thing. There's 10,000 copies out across the world right now, advertising me on my behalf. I'm going to sit on my couch a bit longer. <laughs> What a beautiful analogy, the idea that these wires are crossing, that we've released a new piece of, for some people, it might be art, creativity, a product, and then there needs to be space in the world for that to exist, but also for you to step into the person you've wanted to grow into. Yeah, you've elevated, you've up, you've up-leveled, you know. I'm an author, author, yeah. author. <laughs> Allow that to reverberate yeah. and become real as a part of your DNA intrinsic. And to catch up to that because it's like, I, and I don't know where, how you felt. I remember the first time I saw my book and my name was on the front and I was like, who's Kayleen Langford? Like, I was, it was so disoriented. Like, I felt so disconnected and I was like. What was that like? You know, what was yeah. that kind of. I, I felt out of, like, I, I felt, I didn't feel, like, I felt out of body. Like, it just, it was just, like, did not connect. Like, it was like that is not yeah and it's it's it still is you know but because yours is even more recent tell us about your book and your experience and how you went and well it's so funny uh I wonder if I had a similar experience where you have these thoughts in your mind and then sometimes your future self arrives a bit earlier than you expect so I'd written this book and I sent it off to the editor and the whole experience I'm learning a lot, such as editing and publishing and the sales process. And as you said so be beautifully, it's a long form product as opposed to online products, which are, you know, how they're tracking. And so when I got the copy of my book, you know, I, I would go to readings in Carlton and Melbourne and on a Sunday or Friday night with my spouse and go to the motivation section and say to myself, my book will be there one day. And that was years ago. So when the book arrived, I thought, oh, finally, right. You know, that was always going to happen in my world. <laughs> it was very affirming. And the same with the TED Talk. Okay, finally, of course it would happen. I've always yeah. wanted to do that. And now finally my dream self has caught up to the real self. Right. Uh, but with the process of the book, I've loved the, I wrote the book called There Has to Be More because yeah. I wanted a world where my younger sister 
would be able to pick up the book or I wanted a world where heaven forbid something would happen to me mm. and it wouldn't have been for nothing. Like there would have been mm. footprints where let's say, let's say heaven forbid something happens and people might think, well, what happens to happiness concierge? And I yeah. It's just a waste of a good intent, the belief yeah. system that we can be a happiness concierge of our own world. Mm-hmm. We're responsible for our growth. If I haven't put in time, and some people might call it resources, for me, uh, other people might call it a legacy, but for me, it was about leaving footprints. If something happened, or find something else I want to do, you yeah. know, there's the book there and people go, great, I know. Celebrate, oh, give it to me. Okay. Yep. The Essential Guide to Personal Growth by Rachel all major bookstores and <laughs> audible.com did oh. you do an audio book that was fun I yeah mine's a bit of a trigger <laughs> I do I couldn't get through it it's a lot it's a lot I was horrible at reading my own book I'm I still sure to this you day, I'm horrible no I no they like audible fired me from my own book <laughs> well that means you might get a ghost voice might you, you might get no I do there's someone else who did it and um so it is on Audible. Anyway, that's, this is not about me. That's on another podcast episode. I'll catch you up on that in real life. But I'm so glad that you said that about your legacy. And I think, you know, for me, when I hear you say that for your younger sister, you know, I think that for me, like my younger siblings too, particularly, I just like they get this fire in me. And I was like, yes, like I would do anything for them. And um, but I think when I look at that, it's like, you know, it, it comes back to, which is some of the topics I want to touch on with you today is like, that for me is a strong why, you know, because it's like, it's not, I want to write a book for me. And da, 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 da. it's like a, yeah, obviously that's part of it, but the deep seated, what I mean, this is my assumption, you can correct me here, but is that I'm leaving the footsteps. And this is, if something happens to me, it's it's my footsteps for my sister. And, and that, yeah, like, which is, I think, what we'll get into some of your tips and stuff. But like, yeah, that for me is very potent. And I think we're balancing these worlds where we're creating a brand out of a pure intent. We're creating a business which sole purpose is to create money. Mm-hmm. And then we're also building a brand and what it stands for. Mm-hmm. And I know in a lot of entrepreneurs you know, in my circle and in your circle, they're balancing. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm discovering, and I'd be interested to hear what you think. Some of them go into business for a pure, a, a pure passion to help people. Other people yeah. are more commercially driven and other people think, oh, I want my name out there. That's sexy. I'd love a book and a TED talk and all that stuff. And what I've learned is that you need a little bit of everything for the business to grow. And it's only what meaning you attach to those things. So for me, the intent was pure with the book, but there's also a brand benefit, which is it's great for the happiness concierge brand and it's a resource and it also, it makes money. So all these things can coexist. (laughs) And I I love that because that's perfect, right? Because it's different stages. You'll pull on different in like, you know, motivations you know, sometimes you're like, I just need to pay the bills. And sometimes you're just like, yeah, I'm here to help, you know? So, but this is where the topic that I'd love to get you on. So I think I've mentioned it to you and those listening at home, Rachel, anytime we've been in a room together, you like sparkle, like dynamic, energetic, present too. You're like, you're just like, I'm here. You you bring in a, a connection of like, yeah, how are you going? Or, you know, like where where are you? Like there's a level of you've you've recalled and you've 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 clocked 
a, a relationship and you're, you know, like, I think, did we meet on the Gold Coast? That was, I think we're yeah. both on a panel talking about our new business. <laughs> right? <laughs> to go. Like 2015 yeah. or something really yeah, ridiculous. Definitely. Like, and here we are, like 2022, and both, you know, imagine telling ourselves on that panel, I think it was a little warehouse in the back of Burley, hey, in 2022 you both would have lived through a pandemic and written books. Imagine so we're back, ha, ha, ha. I wouldn't expect yeah. the latter, I would expect. I'd say absolutely, yeah. as per the life plan. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I mean, bumping into you at the event yeah. only recently, we yeah. both went, yeah, wild. Yeah, genuine connection. Yeah, right. And it's like danced in each other's world. But I think so. The reason I think like that experience of of you and and re- reconnecting with you and um our interactions always, um you hold this you you hold a confidence and a presence and a you know an authenticity to you as well, and um I think that that's really powerful in business. And it's a question that I get asked a lot about is you know present presenting so like you know you and I are both regular presenters and and teachers and coaches and so you know for whatever reason we've mastered that skill um so and I think it's become more and more so um you know necessary almost for brands to come to the come in front of the camera and and to teach or to share and you know sometimes it's for fun and sometimes it is educational or um but yeah, I really want to dive into that today for our audience because I get asked that about a lot. And, you know, I think probably in a busyness, but also like, yeah, I've, I've got enough things to teach. Uh, it's not always the thing that I want to sit down and be like, okay, well, how do I, how do you be a good public speaker? And I've never done, I did public speaking at university and did really well at it and had a really great teacher. But um, yeah, I, I think that you're the expert in this space. <laughs> And that's why you're here. So I would love for us to dive into, you know, that comfort. How do you, because also you can call bullshit. We'll get into this, but like, yeah, you can call bullshit pretty quickly. Like I remember when it went from like, everyone was like Instagram reels and Instagram lives and stuff. It was like, part of me was like, yes, you cannot fake video content, you know, like no more like filtered, like pretty photos. It's like, show me who you really are, you know? And it's like that would move towards authentic connection with brands of personalities. And I want to like you as an owner of a business as well. Anyway, so we're going to get into, if that's okay with you, how do you do that authentically and embody what's right for you? Because then I think that also translates into obviously pitching yourself and putting yourself forward for opportunities, which I think People don't necessarily think that, um, you know, I think people think sometimes when people have successes that they come to them. But most of the time in my experience, it's actually putting myself forward. And then I think that also translates into pricing and saying no to things that aren't right for you and all of the above. Good question. Well, it's nice to know that everyone shares the experience of I'm wanting to uh, be taken seriously. I also want to feel like myself. And, you know, studies have shown that people do judge us in a number of seconds, not in order to critique us, but rather to understand us. And they're answering, they're wanting to answer two questions, which is one, do I like you? And two, do I trust you? And, you know, researchers have kind of coined these terms, which balance both warmth, that kind of authenticity. I like you. I see you. I'm present for you. I'm here for you. Um, where my feet are, and competence. 
you know, do you know what you're talking about? Do I trust that you've got the experience? And are you speaking in a way where I can take in your insights and knowledge? And truth be told, early in my career, I was high warmth, high energy, and not low competence in terms of I didn't know what I was doing. But the way that I communicated was so energetic. It was hard for people to catch the insight. <laughs> and I, if you go through earlier videos online, and please don't, but if you do, <laughs> you'll see the pace at which I speak is much faster and that's a very authentic way for me to communicate and very energetic but I've taught myself over the years by watching videos and looking at feedback and asking for coaching oh I want to speak fast because the content's familiar to me but actually this might be the first time my audience is hearing this message and when I learn something new I just want it slow and considered and when I listen to a lot of content on entrepreneurialism I feel as though a lot of podcasts and videos and courses are kind of yelling at you, like you need to do this and here are seven things you're doing wrong. And I feel yelled at a lot of the time. And what I'm really craving is considered communication, calmness, and people who are able to kind of cut through the crap and just give it to you straight. And so yeah. those are kind of three things that I've consciously worked on, not because it comes naturally, but because mm -hmm. that's how I grow my business. Mm -hmm. And so when people say, oh, I want to be better at public speaking, I think the first place to start is, am I comfortable in my skin? And look, mm -hmm. is that not a lifelong journey that we're all wanting to be comfortable in who we are? But can we balance that warmth authentic to us? It might be this kind of warmth like me, or it might be your kind of warmth, Kayleen, which is present and gentle and soulful and nurturing and also cutting through the crap as well. How do we balance that? Give ourselves permission to bring that to the table with competence, which is might be we've prepared a few key points that you might want to ask me today. Uh, I might make sure that I've got my book on hand in case you ask me any questions. I want to make sure I'm speaking slowly to make sure people are getting the insights. We're balancing that. And just to reassure people listening, apparently up to 70% of people would rather do anything than public speaking. They'd rather get divorced. They'd rather eat you know, a disgusting meal. They'd rather do anything than yeah. public speak. So you're not alone, but it doesn't need to be fearful. There's mm. plenty more to share if we yeah. find it helpful yeah no I love that and I think it's uh, yeah I mean it's which kind of brings me I'm, and I'm gonna try and understand this as we go thinking about some of the people who have come to me with these questions or concerns mm. or, or fearful of it and it's like I think there's one question which is like do I have to be doing it and you know I think I'm a bit keen to hear your your opinion on that yeah. I think in, in my head I'm kind of like yeah, I think I think you've actually probably answered that in a sense of like, what's the comfortable version of it for you? <laughs> yeah. Right? Do you have to do public speaking? Well, you don't have to do anything mm -hmm. in life you don't want to do. <laughs> um, you don't have to pay rent. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you don't have to. Um, do you want to? It's okay to not want to. I think that's mm -hmm. okay. Mm -hmm. But I think we can think about what am I looking to achieve? Mm -hmm. And am I willing to do a few hard things in order to have ease or abundance mm. or insert my goal here. And if the answer is no, I don't think entrepreneurialism is going to be a great fit for you because it's a lot of hard things a lot of the time. But if the answer is yes, well, then we can shift to the next kind of layer, which is how do I get comfortable with something I'm not comfortable with? And yeah. 
I think there are kind of four layers to this. That at the in, in, introductory layer, it would be if there's nothing else you do, it would be to get familiar with your content. And truth be told, I've seen some astonishingly, in, astonishingly, is that a word? Interesting talks from people who maybe quite monotone, maybe quite dull in their delivery, but their content is so fascinating because they know it back to front. And when I did my TED talk, they said to me, if you can rehearse your TED talk frontwards and backwards and start with any keyword or know where to go next, you'll be fine on the main stage. Because once your mm. adrenaline kicks in, it's all muscle memory mm. from there. And it was, you know, I got into the stage, I couldn't remember my first word. So I wrote it on my hand because I knew my adrenaline would do that. Three years ago, and then my muscle memory kicked in. So the first mm. level is if you know your content, that's great. If you don't know your mm. content, there's actually no amount of charisma, uniqueness, yeah. nerve and talent that can cover for that. <laughs> right. And it's not about being an expert, but it's about saying, here's what I know and here's what I don't know yet. Yeah. And feeling okay with that. That's a really good point. Level. I like that because it's the, and I, whenever, you know, sharing with clients recently, um, I still do Instagram lives and I'm like, like I will be there with like the power positions. I'm like, you've got this. And I'm like moving, like we did this in the beginning of the call. I sat in three different spaces to like feel comfortable. Like, And, you know, that's seven years on as a confident public speaker, right? And um, it does, yeah, it doesn't necessarily get easier, but I, I always have my notes and I am always like, what is my message here? What am I, tr what is my clear at what am I trying to get to? And I think that content is like, yeah, sometimes it goes off topic or whatever, but it's like, yeah, I know where I'm heading. And I tend to be like, you know, for me, I'll be like, where, where are people starting? You know, where's my audience starting and where, and, and validating how they're feeling and, and being like, you know, I've been there as well. And here's the steps and here's what I'm thinking. And then, you know, here, here's what you can do next or whatever, you know. Yeah. And it sounds as though you've created a bit of a formula, which is acknowledge where people are at. If I don't know where they're at, I can use the 10 minutes to find mm -hmm. out. You outline my key points and what's next. And wherever the conversation goes within your framework, you'll be fine. That's okay. Because yeah. you know, well, by the end of 30 minutes, I'm going to ask what's next. Yeah. And that's you know. at least there's attachment to what happens in the room, knowing that yeah. you'll get there, right? Yeah. And you, well, you, you know, know where you're going, I think, you know, and it's like, that's knowing the content because, and I think yeah. like you, you're the expert here, but I think something that someone taught me over the years, and I think you mentioned it before, is like, you teach what you're learning, right? And I think people <laughs> think that they have to be this genuine expert, but it's like, something that I've learned over the years is anytime I'm experiencing something in my business, and this was huge for my in lockdown and the content that I was mm. creating, it was like, mm. it's like, oh, I'm trying to fix it or understand it or whatever. And then I'd move through it. And then I'd be like, okay. And, and a part of my motivation to move through it was to be like, well, if I'm experiencing it, other people are experiencing it. So like, cool, I'm going to be hyper aware really? of how I'm moving through this so I can teach it. And I yes. think it's, it's nice for people to hear that like, yeah, you don't have to have it all together. You can move through something. But I'm a big fan of moving through it and then teaching it too, you know. Yeah, I think that's such a beautiful concept because a lot of the pushback that I hear when I work with um, uh, STEM specialists, engineers, people who are literally at the top of their class and what they do is the phrase which is, well, I'm no expert. And indeed, an expert is quite a white Western concept to be an expert and knower of all truth 
Whereas we can lean on the context in which we're in, which is more around the idea of owning what I know for sure and owning what I don't know yet. And as my mentor said to me, acknowledge the wisdom in the room. You, you're sharing tips. I'm sharing tips. People can share tips. We can all contribute to this. I'm leading this discussion and owning that here's what I've learned along the way. Here are some insights. And here's what worked for me. Here's what didn't work so well. And here's a bit of a formula I use you might find helpful is a wonderful way just to release the need to be the expert in the room. And instead, you're the expert in your experience. You're an yeah. expert in what you know. And when we own what we don't know, it's actually a bit easier. Yeah. Isn't it? Get yourself yeah. off the hook. <laughs> actually, it's... Yeah, um, I find it reassuring. <laughs> yeah. Actually, just thinking then too, I, you know, it's a completely different world of... Um, of teaching, but I had this, I think it was like, you know, in the yoga kind of tantra space that I was in a while back or, you know, on, on the side. And there was this beautiful teacher in there that he used to use the word perhaps a lot. And so he, instead of being like, you know, this is how you do it and this is what should be done or whatever, he would say, and perhaps maybe this, you know, and, and it always, it always like, and I think the reason I'm sharing this is because being in front of speakers or, you know, listening to videos or talks and stuff, you can learn so much about what, how did that person make you feel safe or trusted or confident or, and for me, it was this, this word perhaps, and I was just like, I've never heard a teacher be like, you know, normally a teacher is very like, and I've got the answers. And I really took that on when I started teaching to be like, I'm just going to put this as perhaps the way that could work. You know, I don't know, but this is, you know, I, yeah, I don't know it all. You know, I love the mm. idea of, you know, we're all using these different phrases that feel authentic to us and putting them in our toolkit. And when we come into a group and we're assuming that we know more than them or that we're there to own more than them, you know, that already puts us in a place of judgment, us in abundance and the audience in lack and, you know, one really nice way to connect is what your instructor did, what you do so naturally, which is to invite people into your world, share reflections, share learnings. Which one of these might be useful for you? Which could be helpful? And some of the language you might hear me use in uh, a, a webinar or a workshop is always along the lines of here are some ideas to consider, have a reflection on which might be useful for you, or has this prompted a reminder that you have your own toolkit that's working pretty well. Maybe it's validating. And it's validating, you know, they're kind of inspired by the Blackfoot tribe of in the United States, which inspired Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which is people are already self-actualized, perfect and whole. And it's our role to create environments where they can kind of stretch that and show that off, you know? So when we respect people from a place of everyone's kind of interesting, right? right? And kind of let go of that need to be teacher hierarchy mm. and yeah, I think there's a lot of unlearning that happens there. Certainly, I never felt any pressure to know more than my audience when I first started doing public speaking because it's a language I'm fluent in. I feel really comfortable. But I have seen, you know, times where classes have gone off track where you can tell the instructor is irritated by the audience. And I think we all have times where, I, where we need to just check in with ourselves and ask ourselves, why are we doing this? Is it to just get the webinar done or the podcast done and get it done and next, next, next? And maybe, yeah, I mean, that's life. We're going to get stuff done, pay the bills. But also taking time to acknowledge people already have the answers. And if they choose to come on the ride with you, you're a bit of a guide towards that. 
Right. And I think that's um, from a really practical point of view, because I, I think that like people are crafting talks or Instagram lives or podcast episodes or webinars and, you know, even pitch documents or conversations. I think like there's a couple of things that I learned and I'd be keen to hear yours as well. Like if we were to give some, you know, you know, ingredients for a good talk and stuff, you know, I think it's exactly what you said, which is you um, you know, are you, are you, it's almost like, are you my person? Right. And so something that I always do is open with a question, you know, it's like, you know, who, who has a startup or who has an idea? And then the other one that I think, you know, again, it's natural for me, but it's like, what's your version of that? Um, I try to make people laugh within the first, you know, minute of being on stage, you know, if, if not sooner because I think laughing can really disarm people. You know, you've got to get it right, obviously, because you can completely lose your audience and, you know, from the beginning. But if you if that's natural and stuff, it's a natural, it's the most natural disarming trust building. Okay. You know, you physically laugh and like going like you, and then as a speaker, you're looking around the room and everyone's smiling at you, you know? And so it's, um that's that, I think that what, to your point before around, you know, do I like you? it's creating a common denominator of you made me laugh, you understand me, or you asked me a question so you think that I'm valid and not just here to talk at me because you're better than me. Mm. And that, that last section there, you're better than me. Mm. Like, who's walking around thinking that? <laughs> Everyone, right? So, or not, no one. And so instinctively, you're leveling yourself as you did so beautifully when I had the luxury of seeing you on that panel with our shared, shared people instantly there's a connection where you're going from, you know, a teacher hierarchy to equity. Hey, this is interesting. I'm excited to share some experiences. I'm excited to learn from you here. Immediately, you so beautifully disarm audiences. And I think yeah. there's a lot to be said for when we talk about worrying about public speaking, we're talking about fear of inadequacy, mm. fear of judgment and fear of incompetence or mm. seeing incompetent as incompetent. And if we expect people are judging us because they're trying to wade through all the messages, are you for me? Do you understand me? And if we accept that people are just wanting to understand our experience, and if we check ourselves to say, this actually isn't for me, the words coming out of my mouth is for the audience. We call it an audience first mindset. We can actually take all our crap out of the equation, leave the ego at the door, pick that up later if you want it, and, and say, look, this is for the audience. And then if we also pair that with so let's say we know our content we release connection to us needed to be the expert we acknowledge audience before ego it's an audience first mindset we can then go into our tool bag which is to say how do we manage this adrenaline it goes up and down and i'm sure i'm not the only one where i'm about to do a talk or, or a podcast interview and the mic goes on you say you're recording I get a hot flush i get sweaty hands it's just the adrenaline doing its thing it's very busy doing its thing and saying when i was in my ted talk i wore two pairs of undies to my ted talk because i knew i would sweat so much and i couldn't i don't want to muck up that beautiful pink suit they said to plan my adrenaline freak out ahead of time but if we know that's going to happen we can say well if adrenaline's high at the start it might get a shaky voice or shaky fingers or whatnot and then it calms down and then it at the end, it goes down again. What can we do in that first five to 10 minutes to give the audience a chance to do some work for us, build some authentic connection, they put our mic on mute or maybe take a drink of water and go, <gasps> and, you know, connecting with the audience, checking in with the audience and even saying, you know, hey, my intent today is to talk about X, Y, and Z. 
I've got some notes here I'm going to chat through. Before I do, I want to hear from you. Where are you dialing in from today? What's your number one question about today? I'll give you some time to think about that. Take a glass of water and you'll notice your adrenaline just kind of comes back to equilibrium. Mm -hmm. And then based Mm. on that, we kind of deflate the adrenaline balloon. Instead of fighting with it, Mm. we can work with it. Use the adrenaline. Some people love to say, hey, I'm feeling nervous and that releases energy. But I just want to remind people that you're responsible for the energy in the room. You don't respond to the audience. You set the tone. So you mentioned when we connected in the event, there's a real connection to people. If I responded to how people approach me, I'd be frowning all day. Mm. But I'm choosing, I'm choosing to tap into my why, which is, this is going a bit holistic off track. I believe, you know, I exist to communicate joy and love Mm. and acceptance. That's it. Well, the rest is nice suits and books and whatnot. That's cool. But if I can be present and let people know, hey, I'm interested in you because that's genuine. I like people. Yeah. then people can't help but rise to their higher selves around you. Now, yeah. if you're wanting to pull people down, that's your own work you got to battle. Now, that's mm-hmm. getting a bit holistic, but from no. a te- technical perspective, adrenaline nah. is your friend. Work with it, not against it, too. I'm here for the holistic. I talk about all the weird shit. So, like, <laughs> like <laughs> I'm here for it. So, But I think, it, I think it's um, is it how to win friends and influence people. I think I used one of his quotes in my book, which was... Um, you know, talk talk to people about yourself and they'll lose interest. I mean, I'm botching this, but, you know, talk to about people about themselves and they'll listen all day. Like, you know, and I think we're egocentric as humans, but also beyond that, we're also, we're craving connection and that's only going to yeah. get more. That's, that's only going to increase in the world that we're currently yeah. living in. And so we're looking, and I think back to where we started this conversation is the authentic connection, right? And yeah. and so that joy and making, and, and how many people enter a conversation to be like, how can I make this person feel good about themselves? Like that is rare. And so when we catch it, when someone goes, you know, another, I think um, another tip again is like you can compliment someone or you can, you can, saying someone's name is the most powerful thing you can do because it's the most thing, it's the, it's the most responsive thing that we will ever relate to. And so it's that there are those little connection things of like, how can I connect with this person and, and show them that they're important here and, and as, a, as an audience as well, I think is like, yeah. I love that too about, um, the adrenaline at the beginning and yeah, like giving, giving them because something that I love to, which I learned is like, you know, as a, when you, when I first started out, it's like, there probably was that a bit of an imposter syndrome that was like, okay, yep, I'm going to be the expert and I'm going to, I'm going to know it all. Right. And it's almost like you didn't want to ask the audience because if they ask you something, you can't answer. Right. And then you're, it's almost like you're hypervigilant the whole time trying to be like, do they like this, right? Whereas there's a confidence and there's a humility and there's a sense of care to stop and go, is this making sense for you? Or is, you know, is this, or, or to start the conversation with going, tell me what you want to get out of here today because if if it's not what I've got in my notes, I'm prepared to change the whole thing and we'll we'll figure it out, right? And that's an audience first thing. And if if you ask people for your their expectations, you'll never finish a talk or a presentation with bad reviews. I mean, sometimes you can't be pleased everyone, but most of the time if they've come to you, then some level they've formed a connection. And then if you say, what do you need and why did you come here? And you, you work to that, and and I always engage my audience too. Where I'm just like, 
hey, if you don't like this, I'm asking you right now what you want and ask as many questions and I'll stop as, as much as I need because you're just as responsible for making sure that you got your return on investment. So many gyms in there. Mm. You know, the, there's this research that found that people would rather forego food, sex or money in order to disclose, which is a way of saying in order to talk about ourselves. Mm. Intrinsic acts of self-disclosure are inherently more rewarding is mm -hmm. the phrase to Google if you're curious about mm -hmm. that. And it's the idea that, oh, we love to talk about ourselves. But more to the point, we, we want to be heard and understood mm -hmm. and recognized. And, you know, those guides that you set up earlier so brilliantly help people do that. I think to, to add to that, Please. a phrase that I hear from people is, well, what if I get asked a question I don't know the answer to? Mm -hmm. How am I going to handle that? And, you know, what we like to say is expect questions. First of all, when you prepare your content on the very baseline, write down 20 questions people might have about this and make sure you're pitching it to your friends or family or people who might be in your intended audience to say, hey, what questions would you have if I presented this? What questions do you have? Because often we prepare our content, but we don't share it with anyone because we're nervous. And then we get to the audience and then we get all these questions and we go, totally freak out and I always like to say you know do you always want to recreate live as much as possible before the live event so for example if I'm doing a event with a client I'll always try and record it prior and put it on zoom and go through it because I want to go through my adrenaline I want to say it out loud see how it sounds pitch it to someone and if I know I can do that I know by the time I get to my live event I'll be okay but in terms of answering the questions, you won't know it all. And there will be questions you don't know the answer to. And there's so much power in saying, I don't know, but I'll find out. I'll get your email and you can back. let me know. Yeah. yeah, because people don't really care if you have the answer or not. They just want the answer to be provided. So an example might be, I don't know the answer to that, but I know Startup Victoria has some great resources. I'm not sure about that, but afterwards, let's network and put up your hand if you know the answer. Great, you can peer-to-peer -peer network. Kind of outsource the two. Yeah, so yeah which is that, that um, yeah. you don't know everything. Yeah, I love yeah. that. Um, and I know we've touched a lot on the on the speaking and crafting and building that. And I think, you know, I really like your, your advice of like if it's uncomfortable or how do you, you know, how do you get out of your comfort zone? And I think what both of us have shared just throughout stories is like repetition and practice and just do it and feel the fear and know that there's going to be adrenaline and, and do it and you get better. And I think, you know, I used to hate watching my, or, or getting feedback on my talks and, and things. And it would always make me sick to read a feedback review or, you know, to, I'd start watching it and, I really forced myself to get over that because I've learned so much through watching myself back. And even if you practice it at home, right, it's like you learn so, so much and you don't realize that you might be hunching or that you're talking really fast. And um, yeah, you can self-correct by practice. Exactly. And mm. if we are embarrassed to watch ourselves, did you know the whole world has seen that anyway or the people mm. in the room? So why not protect yourself from yourself and I think if it's important mm -hmm. to you, you want to repeat it. You know, there are things that I find really tricky to do. I was on the phone to the ATO yesterday for a surprise $20,000 bill. And my adrenaline does all sorts of things when I call the ATO. It's just, you know, a passion of avoidance prior to getting my stuff sorted a few years ago. 
but I did it anyway. And I needed about an afternoon to recover. We sorted it out and I understood my obligations and blah, blah, boring, blah. Mm -hmm. But I thought I wasn't not going to make the call because as I learned from a mentor, the worst that can happen is a feeling. Oh, am I willing to feel a feeling? Well, yeah. Will it be uncomfortable? Yeah. But is that the worst that it can happen? Oh, well, that's okay with me then. Because <laughs> so you feel the about. feeling, right? And it just, it can, I think, is it like 90 seconds or something like that, where the emotion can actually move through your body. If you don't tell a story around it, you're just like, oh, this is the experience. And it's like, what happens, what exacerbates it and makes it take, you know, weeks of us is that we're like, oh my God, I'm feeling this feeling and who did this and why is this happening? And I'm not, maybe I'm sick and and it's like, so it exa- the more what we focus on expands, whereas like, that, oh, I'm just going to observe this feeling and it feels really shit being yeah. on the phone to the ATO. <laughs> Exactly. And I like to think of thoughts as like a stereo. I can mm-hmm. turn up the thoughts that are helpful mm-hmm. and I can turn down the thoughts that are less helpful, but I actually have a choose as to what I think. This is not truth. These are just thoughts I've constructed. So in a study of people applying to uh, working with their adrenaline and nerves, it was found that those that said, I'm excited instead of I'm nervous because they're both states of arousal, actually performed better in maths tasks in public speaking and karaoke. So you can actually, you're not lying to yourself, but you're creating a mantra that serves yourself. So with Mm. the ATO, I don't want to call the ATO, whoever does, but I'm able to say calling the ATO helps me grow my business. Done. You know, you don't need a stronger (laughs) compelling reason for me there. Absolutely. Great. Um, And so maybe we can wrap with some tips because I know we've shared a lot about the confidence and yourself and stuff. But then also I think the other thing around this stuff is where it can really play out is like pitching and pricing. You know, I think pitching yourself forward where you might, I guess I think it's similar to the advice you've just given around the ATO is like, if I pitch, what's the worst that could happen? I could have a feeling, you know. And then I think it's also probably that similar sensation in the body around that when we don't want to be on stage and public speak, then we don't want to ask for what we're worth in our pricing and and opportunities. How do we overcome that? (laughs) Well, I think it's natural. You know, I know it's it's quite a mindset shift from going from selling or promoting someone else's product to doing Mm. that for your product or even you. That's a Mm. real mind stretch. (laughs) I think I would encourage people to, first of all, just tune into why you started this business in the first place and to remove deserved or worthiness from money. So money is received from, for value given. The amount of money you're offered or, and this might be, you know, roughly a few feathers, the amount of money you advocate for doesn't actually reflect your deservedness or your worthiness or your goodness or your morality. It just reflects the budget that they have. So I think I've removed myself from needing to achieve certain hourly rates or whatnot and instead created an hourly rate for myself and happiness concierge. It's a flat rate, regardless of whether it's a keynote or it's a webinar or who cares? The client doesn't care because they're paying to have me in the room. Mm -hmm. And so if clients don't have that amount of money, I'm very able to say, no worries. Maybe we could find a different solution for you. A shorter session, You can come along to one of our free sessions. We've got an online course and they can make the right decision for them. So I think just remove the worthiness from the dollar amount and instead ask yourself, what is the the price I want to place this at? What's the value of that to the market? And if people say, no, it's not the right product for them, 
you know, that's permission to make it that simple. But I think we kind of, it's very complicated, can be complicated because it's connected to such feminist concepts around inequality, around money. So I don't want to disconnect that. I think everything is connected in that way. But I do want to give us permission to make it quite clinical because money has no emotion <laughs> right it's just a, it's, a, it's a yeah it's a thing it's a you it's know a thing it's that like, comes in and out sometimes it out can't more than make us yeah. do anything it, it can't make us feel yeah. a certain way it's not it's yeah. the story we're telling and I love that because it's like yeah. you know the it's yeah. if if you're not getting that exchange of value of money for the value that you're offering it's like well where are the people who do yes have, it doesn't have it? reflect on your worthiness mm, and yeah. Mary J Blige and all the rappers didn't get paid for Super Bowl because they got paid an exposure now that's mm. a radical thought for, you know, for a lot of the context here. But for the first year of Happiness Concierge, I did everything for free because no one mm. knew who Rachel yeah. Service was. No, no one's really, you know, no one's looking out for someone to talk about Beyonce. Mm. And I still do so much marketing because mm. I want the thing. I want the brand. I want to make the impact. No one's sitting around building that for me. So I, it all comes out in the wash. So don't let what someone offers you define you and allow yourself to get outraged by it. Instead, yeah. instead educate. Hey, here's my hourly yeah. rate. Or actually, I love talking to you at that event. I actually have a course that I do. It's X dollars. Mm-hmm. You can make the right decision for you. Let me know if you have any questions. Right. Get permission to keep I love that. I think that's beautiful. Love it. And it's the, that thing too where it's like, um, if if they don't see the value, you can also sometimes take that as feedback and be like, well, how Great can I showcase my value? How did they not? Totally. Maybe it didn't quite <laughs> translate, you know? And so you can go back to your drawing board and be like, instead of letting that person dictate, I'm not worth it, but like, hang on, I didn't actually, I could do better at showcasing the value here. And so here we you're, it's empowerment, right? Rather than rejection. Because yeah. if you're thinking, that's a no-brainer. You know, yeah. how could someone not love this product and they're not seeing yeah. the value? You're spot on. Oh, yeah. what could I do differently? I could update yeah. my sales page. Maybe my pitch needs a refinement. Yeah. And I'm in a sales cycle at the moment yeah. for my new product. And every time I'm doing a showcase or a sales call or a welcome call, I'm thinking, so what resonated there? Okay, what do they respond yeah. to? It's all feedback. Use those questions to kind of, yeah. Exactly. You know, and the price, don't be tempted to lower it. Instead, add more value into what you're offering or communicate the value. And yeah. if it's not for them, find the people who it is for. Yeah. yeah, love that. Thank you so much. What a fruitful conversation. Thank you. I think it's going to be incredibly helpful and I love your energy and what you do and it's so nice to be on this journey with you. Likewise. Great to share Pleasure. some of the many learnings. Yeah. And you're in Sydney? But I am in Sydney for just actually started pouring down rain like when we started this conversation I was like the sun's in my eyes um so that's fun but hey before we wrap can you tell us about where to get the book what you're doing what you've got on offer how can we find you yes well everything I offer is available oh here we go here we go well (laughs) I in a nutshell help people get more out of work and indeed life Some of the ways in which I do that is through my book, There Has to Be More, The Essential Guide to Personal Growth, available in all bookstores and audible.com. That was fun recording that. And another way I do that is through my company called Happiness Concierge, where we offer a number of online programs, masterclasses, and we even bring those courses to your workplace too. So check it out at happinessconcierge.com.
but how you really know that elevator pitch. <laughs> Your tone of voice, <laughs> eye contact, like 10 out of 10, I'm investing. <laughs> well, a few oh, earlier this week, I listened to a podcast I'd done years ago with another entrepreneur because I wanted to tap into my why and just understand, mm. you know, what was the special source years ago? And am I still connecting to that? And I heard my elevator pitch there and I thought, isn't that cool? It can evolve. It slowed down. You know, so by listening to what we're doing, I like to think that everything is practice for the next opportunity. Absolutely. You know, when Oprah calls you to come on Soul Sundays, you would have created these podcasts in a pool of knowledge. You know, when Beyonce calls me for a pep talk, I would have <laughs> done the groundwork to <laughs> receive that. <laughs> to go on tour as her mindset coach. You know how it is, <laughs> putting it out there. <laughs> Thank you for your no, grace. I'm very grateful. No pleasure. And it's when I actually finish on that final tip, because I was going to say, before but I think how you just pitched yourself and what we spoke about is like there is a power in slowing down and I think something you know to this conversation as well it's like when I have seen speakers and I have something that I've adapted to over the years as well is that confidence in yourself and building it and to step on stage to take a drink of water to take a big deep breath and be like I think, you know, I think what you've, I didn't realize this until you've mentioned it, but I think it's a sense of like, I'm grounding myself here so I can be the best version for you and I can deliver this well. And there's something we just want to be like, I'm just going to get there and get it done. But it's actually (laughs) just this sense of being like, hi, how can I be of service and how can I be here? And I'm going to do everything I can to communicate this message of knowledge that I have for you so that hopefully it can help. Exactly. And how can Mm. that not resonate? And if it Mm. doesn't resonate, it's not the right people for you. That's okay too. (laughs) And then you walk out the door. Oh, bird. Yeah. Love it. Sassy. My job. Thank you so much. Happy Friday. Lovely thank to see you. you again and chat. Lovely to see you and see you. See you. Talk soon. Bye.